time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 50 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day. And kiss them, too. Don't forget. We brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? Caramel. We always go back to caramel. (laughs) If it's good, don't mess with it. Yep. Don't mess with perfection. Okay. So we ready to drink some coffee and chat? Absolutely. Let's do it. So how are you doing? Great. Mid-November, here we are. The yeah. month over here of birthdays and Thanksgiving. Birthdays and Thanksgiving. That's right. I do a lot of baking this season. It's fun. Yes. Baking is always mm-hmm. lots of fun. Yeah. It's the month of cooking. Yes. We use lots of eggs. Tablescapes too. Yeah. I, I ordered a new tablecloth from a Thanksgiving table. That's awesome. Well, you know, this is really exciting because that's how we roll. I don't know if you remember back at the end of last year, early this year, I bought an entire set of Mikasa oh, yeah. rooster china. Yeah. It's a really hard to find pattern and it's fantastic. And I've never used it for anything. Yeah. So you're going to use it this year? I'm going to use it this year for the Thanksgiving table. I'm super excited to trot that out. Yeah. That'll we'll be fun. Plenty of photos. I, it's really a nice pattern. Yeah. I have a plethora of chicken dishes. but I don't believe it. <laughs> I have, which is new to me from my aunt. And Donna, if you're listening, this is a shout out to you. My grandmother passed away many years ago. Mm-hmm. I think Joe and I had just gotten married. Your paternal grandmother. My dad's mm-hmm. mom. Really hit us hard. But she brought us her ironstone china. That china is absolutely gorgeous. When you open the box, I think I gasped out loud. Complete set. Mm-hmm. It's the Even brown. the coffee pot and the teapot. Yeah. The teapot, the coffee pot. Uh-huh. And it was a wedding gift to my grandmother and grandfather. That's just fantastic. And it was hidden in her basement. Okay. And when she moved, she found it and packed it all back up. And it will stay in our family forever now. It'll get passed down from generation Mm -hmm. to generation. But I definitely want to spotlight it because it's it's gorgeous. It's a beautiful set. And the really fantastic thing about it is it goes with all your other chicken stuff. It does. It's very farmhouse. Yeah, that ironstone is very, very farmhouse. Yeah. Oh, very. It's beautiful stuff. Yeah. So we'll be sharing photos of that. Oh, yeah. And my chicken china. And yeah. And some chicken other stuff. I mean, we don't have enough chicken stuff. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Never. You know, I put on Instagram a while back the four plates that I found at the thrift store. That was an amazing find. I checked out when I had other stuff, uh-huh. and I was talking to the lady in the thrift shop who works here, and she's like, wait a minute, you're the chicken lady? I'm like, yeah. One of them? Yeah. And she goes, did you see the chicken plates? And I said, what? No. And she went up and showed me very proudly these chicken plates, and okay. I'm like, they're mine. Exactly. Those are coming <laughs> home. Thank you. Yeah. So <laughs> I was very happy with those. So Sakura, which I believe is a division of Oneida. Oneida. Yeah. They've used different artists to make different sets of chicken plates. Yes. Mine are David Carter Brown. From Sakura. From right. Sakura. Mine are Warren Kimball. So anyway, we'll be sharing some of our thanksgiving stuff on our social media. And I've got to start making my muffin soon, which we went over the recipe before. Right. For the pumpkin muffins. Mm-hmm. Those are what I make my stuffing out of. Yeah. So I have to make those so they have enough time to kind of dry out a little bit. Right. You want a little stale. Yeah, exactly. Do you stuff your turkey with your stuffing or do you bake it separately with, say, eggs to moisten it? I stuff my turkey with citrus, onions, garlic, and herbs. All fresh. And I let it all just bake in there Uh to flavor it. Okay. And before I stuff it with the onions, I peel them. And then I oil them, I put butter in them, and put seasonings on them. Uh-huh. So all that kind of roasts it. So you bake your stuffing separately. Do you put eggs in it, though? I don't. My stuffing gets eggs in it. Wow. And it sort of mimics the way it comes out of the turkey. Because oh, obviously okay. we don't eat meat. So I use a couple of eggs in my stuffing. It makes it really good. Hmm. I've never tried that. Mix it all together, pop it in the oven. We'll, we'll probably feature my stuffing next Thanksgiving since we've done all of your recipes this year. Yeah. So... Let me just take a second to ask everyone a big favor. If you're listening to our show and loving it, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a written review. It does amazing things for our show. It really does help the show. You can also share our episodes on social media and subscribe. If you go to our Facebook page, Mm -hmm. 
We are now running our live episodes on Facebook. Right. So you can just go listen to us straight from Facebook. You can go on Facebook, listen to us, and then you can share it to your page. Right. And if you do that, it can help us out immensely. Absolutely. You could also subscribe so you never miss an episode like last week when we dropped our Merrick's 101. Yes. The other thing you can do is visit our Etsy shop. We have t-shirts and logo mugs on offer. You could visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Check out our levels of membership. The other thing you can do to help support the show is buy product from our sponsors. Yay! We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubly Farms. From now until the end of November, you can receive 20% off if you're a first-time buyer. We have a special discount code for our listeners, COFFEE20, for 20% off your first purchase. You can follow the link in our show notes. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot combine with any other offers. If you haven't heard, Grubbly Farms has a brand new layer crumbles food packed with plant and insect protein, perfect for those picky chickens and ducks. Plus, they're the perfect size for bantams and all products ship free. It's a great time to try Grubbly Farms if you haven't yet. Use the code COFFEE20. Try it today. Hey, Chris. Yeah. Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chickens? Of course. Then yeah. Let me just take a minute to tell everybody about the Chicken Love Box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the Mega Box. Tons of useful products for my flock and a chicken tea for me. You cannot go wrong with these chicken teas. They are so soft and so cute. In the September Box, I absolutely love the rooster socks and the can of grasshoppers. It's amazing. I really love the Iron Trivet. I'm going to use it for all my entertaining, and I've got to keep the girls away from those chick notes for sure. Yeah. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your order, and shipping is always free. To receive $5 off, use the code CWTCL at checkout. It's such a great deal. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. Okay, so now it's time for that Breed Spotlight. Wee oui, wee. Oui. We. Oui. Yes. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Yes, we're being very French. We're going to France. We're trying to be very French. I don't have a good French accent. You were going to say none of my <laughs> accents are good. I maybe was about to say that. I mean, that's what everyone says, but I try so hard. They're entertaining. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> on to our French chicken. This week we're spotlighting the Gournay. The Gournay. Yes. Like the cheese. That's right. There is a cheese with the same name, comes from the same region. Yes. The Gournay is another very old and rare breed, and it comes from the Normandy region of France. So the Gournay is an absolutely beautiful chicken. I mean, they're gorgeous. They are black and white mottled, and they're just everything we love in a chicken. Yeah, I love mottled chickens. Mm -hmm. So when I looked this chicken up, I was like, oh, yes. Yeah. Mottled chickens, speckled Mm -hmm. Those are right up my alley. They're really beautiful. They're really pretty breed. Unfortunately, it was tough to find a lot of in-depth information on this breed because they are an old breed. Sometimes Um, when they're older, it's not always better. Right. You could probably find more information in France, but obviously that's out of the budget and the time. Let's go. I wish. (laughs) So the sources I did find, in several sources, I saw the claim that the Gournay has been around since the Viking Age. Okay. That would be roughly 800 AD to about 1050 AD, essentially before the Norman conquest or invasion of England. Depends on where you're from. And it's very possible that the Gournay chickens are that old, but I honestly couldn't find any sources of this information. You probably have to suss it out in writings and documents and things like that. We can't substantiate this. There's no way we can. So we're guessing that the roots come from the fact that the Normans were descendants of the Norse. Sounds about right. Right, Vikings. (laughs) Yeah. And they very well could have moved their spotted chickens around with them as they moved around and conquered new lands. They're like, well, I go, I take my pretty chicken with me. That's a Viking accent? (laughs) That's a Viking. That's a Viking accent. Okay. There are several other theories about its origin, but the Viking connection was the most frequent. It does make sense. It does make sense. Vikings were everywhere. All over Northern Europe, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they would have had the capability of having the chickens on the ship. Right. Coming off, putting the chickens. So the Normans were Norse that just settled in that part of France. So they just could have developed this breed out of what they had with them. Right. It's entirely possible. We're not going to know that. We don't have the resources to find that out. But again, that particular scenario was the one we saw the most. Right. 
So the Gournay itself, it's considered a dual-purpose, reasonably cold, hearty, standard-sized chicken. Yeah, and the pictures, it does look to be standard-sized. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It doesn't look small. No. It reminds me of the size of a Plymouth Bard Rock or a right. Buff Orpington. Yeah, really a classic standard size. Yeah. The roosters are supposed to weigh around five or six pounds, hens about four or five pounds. There's also a very, very rare bantam version. Wow. Now, you know that would be... In, in your my flock. flock. I'm not in even going to ask the question because You're, I already know the answer. Well, the to thing this is, one. I know it would be in your flock too. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of mottled birds. Me too. Yeah. So, spots in general. Yeah, they're just gorgeous. So, as we said, they're black with large white spangled. Their color pattern reminds me a bit of the Swedish flower hens. Just That's, the way it occurs. It does. It does look like the Swedish flower, but it looks a little more splashy. Mm-hmm. You know, the mm-hmm. mottled is a little bit more splashy than more speckled. like, say, a bluebell than some of my other girls. But yeah, I agree. Like the Swedish flowers, though, they get more white spots with each molt. Mm-hmm. And the cockerels. Take the time to look up a La Grenade cockerel. Yeah. They have the most beautiful black hackle and saddle feathers. Yeah. They're, they're just straight, gorgeous. Straight black. And then the tail feathers here have the green sheen. Yeah. So, yeah, they're really a beautiful chicken. Mm-hmm. Now, the question is, can we get them here? We can't get them here. And I did look, of course. They may have splashes of mottled color on their white legs and beaks. And see what you think about this as you look at the photos. They have a small head and a stout body that reminds me of the speckled Sussex. It reminds me of the speckled Sussex, which also reminds me of like a barn rock. They have the smaller heads Mm -hmm. and the stouter body. And my lavender Orpingtons are that way also. Yeah, a bigger body, smaller head. Yes. It's attractive. They look like a proper chunky hen to me. Yeah. They also have intense orange eyes. They have a moderately sized straight comb and waddles. Mm -hmm. And this is interesting. They have red earlobes with some white on them, also like Swedish flowers. Yeah. And an all-red earlobe is considered a breed fault. You want some of the white on the earlobe. Hens lay white eggs. They are reputed to go broody. And they lay about three large eggs per week. Average. Average layer. Mm-hmm. The breed's mentioned as being gentle and tolerant of confinement, but very fond of their free-range time. So I think you'd probably have to make sure you blocked out time to supervise free-range with them if you had them. Yeah, and we've said this before. Free range without supervision is very risky in some very predator-saturated areas. Yeah, Most chickens shouldn't be free range all the time on their own. You're going to lose your chickens. I mean, there are some people who choose, say, a homestead breed, and they choose to take the risks and free range their chickens. If you are keeping your chickens as beloved pets and you are not prepared to have loss, don't do it. Yeah. Don't free-range unsupervised because you will eventually lose chickens. And most areas in the U.S. are pretty predator-saturated. Even if there aren't the wild predators, it's something like a domestic dog. Your own dog could do it. Yes. Uh, You know, a neighbor's dog. Right. Most birds would love to free-range all the Mm -hmm. time, and we would love to be able to just let them go. But you got to take the time. It also builds a bond. It does. When you free-range with the birds. Right. You're out there with them. It's good in different ways also. Yeah. That's a little off the point, but... I just thought I'd throw it out there because free-ranging, you can say this breed is great at free-ranging and a hawk flies by, that doesn't matter. They're gone. Right. I mean, with that color in the right areas, they can camouflage. Like the Swedish flowers and the speckled Sussex are very good at camouflaging. Yeah. But there are also times where if you have a huge lawn without cover and you have this beautiful black bird out there in the middle of summer against the green lawn, it's easy pickings. Or a fox. Or a fox, right. I mean, they're out there all the time. Right. So it's a moot point in the U.S. because we don't have them here. Yeah. But I will say that there is a similar breed. We'll talk about them in another episode down the road that you can get from Green Fire Farm. Mm -hmm. And it's called the Dampier. Yes. And they're beautiful. Yeah. So just an FYI. We'll link that in the show notes in case you want. the Model Java. Okay. You know the Model Java are so high on my list. But they're a lot bigger. Definitely bigger. But they remind me of them also. There are definitely similarities. Yeah. And if you like the Model you can also get Cochin that Model are modeled. Cochins, right? Yeah, right. exactly. But this is a breed that if you're listening to us in France, and, we and thank have, you to our French listeners. Yes, we do have French listeners. And yes, we want to give you a huge shout out. Thank you. Thank, thank you. You. Mm-hmm. you can get this breed. Yes. And if you have pictures and you own this breed, send us pictures. Yeah. One source said that the Gournay had been on a steady decline since the World Wars. We know the story. This is the same story. We just told the story last week with the Brackles. Yep. Conservation efforts began in the 1970s. Best era ever. Up to about the 2000s, there was a lot of conservation work. 
Interestingly enough, there's an article in the January 2013 issue of Backyard Poultry Magazine. Which is well-loved by a lot of people. It's by Stuart Sutton, who actually lives in the UK. And he mentions that a breed standard was introduced in France in about 1924. Okay. So there is a standard for the breed if you're in France or in Europe. Obviously, the Gournay has not been accepted by the American Poultry Association. We don't know if it was ever in the U.S. It right. certainly is not here. If it were, though, theoretically, it would be classed as a continental breed. Yes. And like a lot of the other continental breeds, lays the white eggs. Yes. Interesting. And if we were in France, we would be all about we this would. chicken. And take a step back and talk about the earlobes again. It is very interesting that their earlobes are red with some with white, some white, but right. they do lay a white egg. They do. Mm -hmm. So that is very interesting to me because we're always under the understanding, white earlobes, white eggs, red earlobes, brown eggs. The Swedish flower are similar. And again, I wonder how much of a connection is there between, say, the Gournay and the Swedish flower chickens all European, the North, well, the Norse people. Yeah. So the Swedish flowers, yeah, they will have a red earlobe with some white on it they as well. They do remind me of your Swedish flowers. They do. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous chickens. Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals health products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. Okay, so now it's about that time. That we go across the pond and have coffee, coffee with the owner. Yeah. yeah. Now, you tell me there's a delay, but to be honest, I don't hear it until you don't we hear it on your side. Live. Not at all while yeah. we're doing this. It's not until we actually have the recording go out yeah. that yeah. I can hear, oh, <laughs> that's the delay. Yeah. Ah! Yeah. I mean, the thing that is amazing to me is that you are sitting there in the UK. And there's only like a two second delay, yeah, exactly. you know, when we do this. I know, but can you imagine, can you remember what it was like when we were kids? It was like satellite delay and it yeah. wasn't two seconds. It was much longer. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. So we want to welcome Fiona back to the table for her monthly round table with us. Where we're going to have so much fun, <laughs> Miss Fiona. So how have you been? Oh, it's just been so, so busy. We've had a lot of the last of the young pullets. They're going out. They've been sold. People are coming to pick them up. We've got two more going out on Saturday to some fantastic Instagram followers. They're two fantastic people who are coming to get them. So I'm really, really pleased about that. There were four available and I've sent videos of the four and pictures and they've picked two. And to be honest, they've picked the best two. By far. Oh, wow. They all look roughly the same, but the two that they've picked have the, the nicest natures. They're the two that follow me around like little puppies. So oh. they're getting two ready-made chickens who are going to eat out of their hands and want to be around them. Nice. That's, That's great. Amazing. How are things going with the cockerels, Mr. Black and Mr. White? <laughs> well, the pecking orders changed because Mr. Black was in control and he was the one who was, you know, making sure that all the hens had gone into the coop at night and was patrolling around the outside. And now in the last couple of days when I've been hand feeding the chickens, Mr. White has been bopping Mr. Black on the head. <laughs> oh, wow. <Jeez. laughs> okay. I mean, they're, they're all kingdoms, so they're really quite laid back and they're very docile. So, you know, roosters and cockerels that have been raised together don't fight like other breeds might. They're, right. You know, it's a bit of a bop on the head, but that's really as far as it goes. And that's what they're doing. So now Mr. White is very much the one who's dominant. Okay. They're still sleeping together in the same coop. They're still getting on very well. But where food is concerned, Mr. White is in control. <laughs> and when we talk about <laughs> it, it may be have changed again. They're still gawky teenagers at this stage. They're not quite mature yet. But in two or three weeks, things could change around a few times. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, so this week, the seven reasons why your hen 
may have stopped laying. And we chose this topic because this time of the year is when you might start seeing these things. So we want to put that out there so that everyone is not frantic and not thinking instantly. That's a question that all three of us have gotten at various times. Yeah, and it worries a lot of people as well. Mm -hmm. So let's start with number one on your list is molting and especially a seasonal molt will stop your chickens from laying eggs. Yeah, I mean, it's this autumn-fall time, isn't it? If your chickens are over 12 months old, they're going to go through their first big molt, and they're going to need all of that protein that's going into the eggs to form the new feathers. So they're going to come off late because their bodies can't cope with doing both, bless them. Exactly. It's that time of the year, and we have an episode, and I think we had a roundtable, the three of us, on molting. Oh, yeah, we did. Specifically on molting. And it's it's one of the main reasons your chicken will stop laying eggs, and it's exactly what you said. Chickens need protein and calcium to produce eggs. They also need those to produce feathers. So at certain times, they have to turn off one thing for the other. Yes. That's for sure. The only exception I know is your Lucy. Yes. Who has continued to lay for a molt because she is hardcore. Last year and again this year, she's still laying every day and she's going through a soft molt. Leghorn. Is there a reason for that? Because we've got the same with Frankie, but with Frankie, because she's got the head injury when she was a chick, we suspect that not that alongside the head injury, her pituitary gland, which produces the hormones for laying eggs, was probably damaged at the same time, which means that she's probably continuing to lay when she's also molting. Right. So is there a reason for, for Lucy doing it? I think, think it's of. just her breed. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the hybrids will continue to lay through a molt. They just lay and lay and lay. I mean, let's look at the um, Issa Brown. The yeah. Issa Brown will lay until its own feathers fall out and continue to lay. And if you, if yeah. everyone out there hears Issa Brown and you want to learn about that hybrid breed, we actually have a Patreon episode on the Issa Brown. Go over to Patreon and check it out. But yes, Lucy, I think it's the leghorn breed. It's just genetics for her. It's genetic. Yeah. Yeah. She just keeps laying. She did stop for maybe a week at the very end last year. Mm-hmm. So I want to wait to see if she does again. Right. The final push. I mean, it is a so, soft molt. You know, she's molting in gradual patches. It's not a really... It's not a catastrophic yeah, Catastrophic yeah. molt, exactly. Exactly. So, but she's the only exception to that rule that I know. Man, it's crazy. Every day there's a white egg. So this morning I went out and she had already laid that egg and she's missing feathers all around her head and neck. You do have another exception now, which is Frankie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe for a different reason, but yes. Yeah. Frankie and Lucy together. Molting happens for many different reasons. Again, go back and listen to that episode to learn all about that. But the ones in the fall, they happen and they're bigger, but we want eggs more in the fall. Right. Because we're going into holiday season and baking, and that's when we're going to notice yeah. it more. And not an issue this year because we have pullets, right. spring pullets, who they will lay going. through the winter. But. Exactly. Okay, so number two reason why your chicken could be not laying is big stress. One. It's a big one. It's one which a lot of people forget about as well, that stress, just like it has a huge impact on humans. I mean, it affects us physically. It affects us mentally. It does the same for chickens. It really right. does. So let's give some examples of a stress that could cause these chickens to stop laying eggs. One that we have down is predators. If there is a predator attack and they're a surviving chicken, they may not lay eggs. For well, a right. I mean, that's a biological imperative of females not going to want to raise a clutch if she's under predator pressure. Yeah. If they sense a predator in the area as well, they don't necessarily have had to have had a predator attack. For example, we've got CCTV video of a fox going around the perimeter of our electric fence. Now, it never breached the electric fence, Mm -hmm. but our chickens were off lay during that time, which is why we checked the CCTV cameras. Okay. Um, And they were off lay all during that period for exactly that reason. Totally makes sense. Any change... Rehoming will be Rehoming, a big one. Or say yeah. you change your pattern, say you go on a trip, that might be enough to stress them a little bit. A different keeper, I could say a that. A different yeah. keeper, different things that might rock their world a little bit. New chickens in the flock. Yes. That's a big one. Yes. yes. Because they're all going to be fighting for who's going to be number one. 
that is stress on them. Mm-hmm. So and actually, thunderstorms, high winds, big changes in the weather as well can have that impact. I've been talking to somebody on social media that just this last week, actually, because we've had a lot of high winds in the UK, and her chickens had gone off lay. And when they came back on to lay, they had soft shelled eggs. I mean, we talked about it quite a bit. The only factor we could come up with was the high winds and the storms that we'd been having. Yeah, I noticed on rainy days, there aren't as many eggs either. And the heat, when we have those blazing hot days, we definitely see a decrease in eggs. The same for cold. goes with stress, weather stress. Weather stress is is another form of stress, yeah. I see it with heat, but I haven't seen it with rain. But I'm going to keep a a note now. I'm going to have a look out for that. I definitely have seen it with mine with a torrential rain day where they're hunkered down under their mm-hmm. coops. They tend not to lay nearly as yeah. many eggs that day. And then the next day I'll get like 10. <laughs> like, you know, okay. That's really interesting. I've never made that connection before. Yeah. But I'm going to keep a note of that because I bet that's true. I just haven't made the connection. Number three is diminishing daylight. Right now, this is something we're all dealing with. It's getting darker yeah. earlier. You said that you just changed your clocks recently in the UK, correct? I actually find it quite bizarre. The UK, this time, we're changing our clocks one week before the US changes their clocks. That blows my mind. Yeah. This is later than we used to do it. Daylight saving used to be, and I don't remember how far away it was, but this is later than it used to be. It used to be before Halloween. Yeah, I think so. They get less hours of daylight, and that cuts down on their absorption of vitamin D. According to Michigan State, they say that a chicken needs around 14 hours of daylight to stimulate her pituitary gland to keep her in leg. I always thought it was 14 hours, but recently I heard it was 12 hours. So I'm not really sure which to refer to now. I've always stuck with 14, but you might hear me in some videos talk about 12 as well. It might be a range too, depending on your chicken. It could certainly breed. fall somewhere yeah. between 12 and 14 hours. Yeah. yeah. And there are other breeds like our Orpingtons that won't go off lay in winter, whereas right. the majority of breeds will for precisely that reason because of diminished daylight hours. Most of my breeds will lay before the daylight hours. Actually, the Jerseys will, the Brahmas will, the Swedish Glowers absolutely will. I don't know if that has anything to do with the fact that they're all northern breeds. I don't know, but they will definitely lay before you hit that light maximum. Or is it to do with their traditional breeds from way back when, from Could over be. 100 years ago? Because the majority of hens now were bred in less than 100 years. Right. So the breeds didn't exist 100 years ago. Right. So that's where the 12 to 14 hours rule came in, was my understanding. Yeah, there's probably mm-hmm. something to that, the foundation breed DNA. That makes sense. Definitely. Probably. I Diminishing... think I need to do some more reading on that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it definitely does have an effect on your chickens laying Absolutely. eggs. Absolutely. So does, right yeah. now, instead of a breed that's going to give you four eggs a week, you may see it start to go to three to two. Oh, yeah. Then to January, maybe a break for a month or two and then start back up. The fourth reason that you could see eggs not being laid is brooding. Brooding. Broodiness is more of a springtime, summertime issue. But but with the Orpingtons, we have probably two out of three Orpingtons of ours will brood in spring. Yes. Then 50% of them will brood again in autumn. Yeah. I kind of blame that too on some warm autumn days. I mean, there are days where it gets pretty warm Mm -hmm. until you hit November, I feel like. And Orpingtons are looking for any reason they can (laughs) to to sit on some eggs. (laughs) You need to come and have words with cinnamon then, don't you really? So (laughs) Periwinkle went broody this fall. She did. Really? Yes. The lavender Orpington. Mm -hmm. And she sat on there and sat on there until it got chilly. And then she was like, okay, I'm done. (laughs) right i made sure she came out multiple times to eat and drink and then i just let her be and let her just go through the process and then it hit 50 one day and she was like why am i doing this i'm out of here (laughs) here, i'm done 
Yeah, we did something similar with Frankie, actually, because she wanted to brood again. And we just popped her in a coupon around and let her have a little bit of stillness. And I think it was it was about three and a half weeks. She went well past 21 days. Oh, wow. Yeah, she eventually gave up. And we talked about <laughs> the broodiness. We've talked about this before. Broodiness is when they want to sit on the eggs and they have to sit there. They're using all their reserves to keep them going with the least amount of food and water as they sit and keep these eggs warm. That's why they're not going to be laying eggs during that time. They're more yeah. concerned about sitting on the eggs. So I think it's an understanding of how much energy it takes for a chicken to produce an egg. Yes. yes. It's, it's a massive amount of energy. Yes. It takes a lot and it takes a lot out of them. And when they're broody, they're not living their normal life. They're oh, living no. on half the food they normally eat. It's, they're not foraging. They're no. not doing any of those things. So they're, that's going to stop that process. But All if you're in Orpington, of- they are living their best life. <laughs> right, those Orpington. Josie was the happiest broody hen I ever saw. Josie would go broody if it went from fifty-one to fifty-two degrees. She, yeah, she would. She's like, okay, let's have a baby. <laughs> Perfect. So the fifth reason why they may stop laying eggs is age. Yeah. As they get older, they lay less eggs. Right. I think, and that's the thing. It's not a stopping laying all of a sudden. It's a, a slow reduction in the amount of eggs over time. So we always say that the first two years, amazing, huge amount of eggs, right. all the eggs you could possibly want to eat. Years three, still good, but not quite as good. And then it right. goes down and down and down. We've got an equivalent video to this conversation we're having in the video. I think I said in year seven, Garnet gave us, I think it was one egg every two months. <laughs> and you're thank- so thankful for that one egg every two months. When it's geriatric- Garnet, absolutely bless her. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a geriatric chicken is a part of your family and yeah. they've given you what they're going to give you. And in return, we can give them a comfortable senior life, living their best absolutely. life. Yeah, that's the best thing we can do for them. I feel like four is probably the median age when you start to see the significant slowdown in following years. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Right. Dr. Berenger with the Live Second Conservancy told us that she has a leghorn hen who at 14 mm-hmm. would still lay the occasional egg. Seriously, wow. Yes, that's yes. impressive. Right? And yeah, that's a leghorn. That's a leghorn. They're <laughs> hardcore. <laughs> that's got to be a record. Yeah, somehow. Probably. Okay, here's one I know about. Yes. <laughs> Number six, illness. Why Again, did you they... know about that, <laughs> Gertie was so sick that she didn't lay eggs for months and months. And I, at one point, I prayed. I'm like, I don't even care if you never lay another egg. Just be well. Yeah. And it's a miracle <laughs> when their body turns back on. It's certainly a sign that they're recovering well from the illness because if they're still suffering physically, they cannot lay an egg. Right. Please tell the listeners exactly what you told us a little while ago about Gertie and her laying. So after everything Gertie has been through, how many eggs is she laying there? 11 eggs in two weeks. I mean, that's pretty impressive. It's amazing. Seriously good recovery. And that is the body is now working as it should again. And while she was sick, she did not even think about an egg. She's like, egg who? I feel like. <laughs> and she had to grow feathers. She had to grow feathers too. And she grew and feathers. That, she just went through a molt. Yeah, that takes a lot too. And she grew all new feathers. And now she's like, give me that box. And she is a quick layer too. Man. She is a quick layer. She's had the gold star of recovery treatments. I mean, she's had her stroller trips out. She's had hotel treatments. Yes. I mean, she has been spoiled rotten, bless her. Yes. And they do get music every day. And Joe does say I select sometimes <laughs> bad stuff for them to listen to. I'm just imagining what you're playing with her. I could, you know, it's, you know, Bon Jovi, you singing to Bon Jovi <laughs> in the garage. I switch it all the time. And the other night while they were going to sleep, I put on a station of a gentleman who reads good night stories. Oh, lovely. <laughs> Joe went out and he came in and said, there's chickens. They're probably saying stick a needle in my eye. I cannot listen to this. Oh, no. They like their bedtime story, Joe. They love their bedtime stories. When oh, I left brilliant. the other day, they were listening to classical <laughs> to relax them before bed. <laughs> I, switched it up I don't even know what was on when I came in. It's not like talk radio. No, it was like 70s rock. 
Oh, okay. That's midday. Seventies rock. Midday, we're perfect. Midday, we got it. Gotta get a little hype. My, oh my god. They had a. It's nothing it like a, a bit Led Zeppelin to relax you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it was a British gentleman who was reading a bedtime story, and Joe was like, "Are you putting your chickens in a torture chamber?" Out no, there? it's relaxing. <laughs> like they're listening to a story, Joe. That's right. They're fine. British gentleman talking is torture. Well, Should Joe you have told like me that? It's the stories that are the problem, not the British part. The thing is with illness, look for other symptoms as well. And if you're concerned, go and talk to your vet. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Really, if that's the first symptom you notice is that there's an egg slowdown or they've ceased laying and you can't figure anything else out, like the rest of the checklist doesn't apply, put in a call to your vet. It it might be worth checking because there are some things, reproductive problems that they could look into. Well, here's the thing. There's a difference between a chicken who is not laying and going about her daily routine as normal and a chicken who looks in distress and is trying to lay and cannot. Right. And that being egg bound and having those issues needs instant veterinary care. And that's a different story. So if your chicken looks like she wants to lay an egg and nothing's coming out, that's time for the doctor. Right. But if she's just normal and less eggs are happening, then that could just be one of these well, reasons. But you should what also I... check their body condition scale as well to right. see whether they're uh, under condition because they might stop laying because they're underweight because of some other illness problem as well. So Right, it's still- right. that's what I meant. If you have an otherwise healthy chicken who just for no reason has stopped laying, right? it doesn't fit the checklist, Yeah, get her yeah. checked out. And uh, here's number seven, which is one of the, biggest reason Uh why chickens stop laying eggs and that is nutritional deficiencies yeah definitely. that is actually maybe number one reason to me if they're not getting enough calcium protein all these things that make vitamin d and water and water water. let's put that in there as well because you know i mean you've done this in your episode on the eggs how much water does it take to produce an egg it's a huge amount it is it, it is. is. And these are the things that we have to look back at ourselves as chicken keepers and yeah. say, where can we add and fix? Now, here's the thing we've talked about over and over again. There's different opinions on it. Ours will stay the same no matter what. They need those oyster shells. Yes. Free choice yes. every day. It doesn't matter what type of food you have. They need the slow absorption. That's the, the whole difference. Shells. You can yes. give them quick sources of calcium all day long but they need that slow release as well. They need that oyster shell. The calcium is very important in making these eggs. Right. So yeah, yeah the egg is 90% calcium. Exactly. The shell is 90% calcium. So yeah. that would be the first thing. The other thing is if they're coming out soft, the calcium could be the culprit also. The sunshine, vitamin D, those two are hooked together also. So if you're having yes. a cloudy spell and the sun's not bright, that could diminish. And there's things that you can give, number one, Nutri-drench. Nutri-drench that has vitamin D and calcium. When people ask us advice about keeping a house chicken, that's the number one thing we say. If you have a hen, you've got to make sure she gets time in the sun because she can't synthesize all that calcium without the vitamin D in her body. And it's the same for people. We have an epidemic going on right now with vitamin D deficient adults and people in the world. And so many people. in office. Yeah. And the number one thing they say is, okay, take vitamin D, but you have to get the sunlight in order to get the vitamin D to absorb. These type of nutritional deficiencies are a big factor in why some chickens may not lay. They may not have the capacity to do it. And the thing is, if you're not sure how to go about it, as a baseline, as your foundation, stick with a commercial brand of layers or growers pellets because there is so much research that's gone in for this manufacturers into these pellets. Yes. It's really hard for a beginner or someone new to it to do all of that research and get all the components together. So trust the people that have spent millions on all the scientific research to begin with. And then it's a case of think about how many additional treats you give, because every bit of additional treats you give is going to detract from the nutrition they're getting in that balanced way from those pellets. So treats are just that. They are to be given sparingly as a treat. And we, as a rule, always give our treats in the afternoon after a full day of them eating their food. Like you said, treats are a treat. If they love just scratch, that's not going to give them what they need. 
Right. You know, keep and that's going. why a lot of feeds, and not just in chickens, a lot of livestock feed in general is referred to as a complete ration. Complete because yes. everything they need is there. The science is there to back it. Right. Just choose a really good manufacturer, organic, if that's the way you want to go. Choose a manufacturer that you feel good about feeding and stick with it. Yes, yes. exactly. So these are the seven main reasons. And like Fiona and Pollyanne were saying, there could be other reasons could go under one of the different categories, like a different illness or reproductive problems. And those all need veterinary care. Again, stress is enormous. We underestimate the effect that stress has on ourselves, but certainly on animals. Chickens are very, very susceptible to stress. Chickens are prey animals, so they're used to being chased. And the stress hormones really get going in their bodies very, very quickly and very, very easily. So it only takes a little thing for their stress hormones to go off the chart, which is going to interrupt the egg cycle. Right. It's the same in humans. Right. People are finally noticing what stress does to a person with anxiety, panic attacks, different things. Those stress hormones spike and they affect you like crazy. They do. It's the same thing with chickens. So keeping everything as calm as possible, the environment as safe as possible, Mm -hmm. feeding commercial grade food so that you're not worried about the nutritional requirements, just keeping them calm and happy is a really good recipe. Absolutely. We want to thank you, Fiona, for coming back again. Oh, you know, I love talking to you both. (laughs) Likewise, and we'll have you back in mid-December for our December roundtable. The subject is a surprise. Is it a surprise for me as well? Yes, (laughs) for all of us. (laughs) We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. We love our time with Fiona. It's fantastic. And as a reminder, if you want to see the video, Seven Reasons Why Your Hen Has Stopped Laying, please visit Fiona's YouTube page, English Country Life, and check out the rest of our videos too because they're gorgeous and fantastic. Yes. Thanks so much. And now it's time for cracking the eggs. Cracking those eggs. So in the middle of the flurry of Chrissy recipes, (laughs) (laughs) I've managed to sneak one of mine in here. It's my apple cobbler. Yay. And now I do this a little differently. This is kind of a unique way of doing a cobbler. And this has been a source of our conversation a few times. So here's my thing about this cobbler. Sometimes you want a delicious apple dessert without making a pie. Yeah. Right. I mean, I love apple pie and my apple pies pat myself on the back. Pretty damn good. Yeah. And sometimes with any fruit, the cobbler is a very easy Mm -hmm. weeknight almost. Yeah, you can whip it up pretty quickly. Sometimes I just don't want to make a crust. When the cobbler, you just whip it together. So for me, that's where the cobblers and crisps come in. They're perfect. It's a pretty easy recipe and it goes really well with vanilla ice cream. Yep. You'll need two of your precious fall eggs for this one. And this is where we've been talking because most traditional cobblers do not call for eggs. That's right. So we were kind of going back and forth. About using a cobbler recipe. Yeah. Landa Lakes had a recipe that was similar to this one. And I adapted it for my own. It takes two regular eggs. If you only have pullet eggs, because a lot of folks, the only laying they have are their spring pullets. Yeah. So I would use three. If you have small eggs, yeah. When I made the sample for this to test the recipe, I did three leg bar eggs. Yeah. Again, this is a quick one. Yeah. So we developed it to be baked in either an eight by eight inch square baking dish or even in a standard pie dish. Yeah. You can also double the recipe and fill a big one, like a 13 by nine baking That's dish. if you're having some friends over right. for if dinner. You want your cobbler to last mm-hmm. several days. And it was super easy to make this gluten and dairy free. We used, as we always do, Bob's Red Mill one-to-one gluten-free and we used dairy-free butter. I used the Country Crock Dairy-Free, mm-hmm. which is really super easy to get. And, and it's actually getting so much more less expensive. It is, yeah. Which is nice. It is. Because I keep it here, too, for yeah. you. Thank you. Along with dairy-free shredded cheese. I appreciate that. <laughs> and whatever goes in my coffee. I have to shop that aisle. Even though I can eat gluten and dairy, I'm thankful for that. So, you know, you have done plenty of gluten and dairy for cooking because your family. I come from an Italian family Mm -hmm. and celiac runs in our family. Interestingly enough, the U.S. obviously has a high number of people with celiac disease. But, you know, two of the other leading countries with celiac disease. Italy is one. And the U.K. Yeah. Which is where my people are from. Yeah. Anyway, so this cobbler dough has two liquids, and they are your eggs and they are butter. Right. Okay, so I use the butter a little differently. Most recipes that are similar to this one call for you to melt the butter and Mm -hmm. pour it over the top of the dough. Yes. And that's what I did, but you know how I am. (laughs) Easier the better, right? 
So I was totally over the whole thought of melting butter and having to wash one more bowl. I just didn't want to do it. Yeah. So I cut the butter in slices. Yeah. And just put them on the top. Which will work also. Yeah. And it turned out very nicely. They just melt in the oven and it's fine. Yeah. And you have one less bowl to wash. Sometimes I really am that lazy in the kitchen. <laughs> I just can't do one more thing. So you want about four cups of apples. I use sweet tart Jonathan apples. Okay. Oh, so good. But any other combination of sweet and tart apples will do. You don't want to use an apple that bakes down the mush. No. You want something that holds its shape. You so can a Portland use or the green apples. Yeah. Any of the green apples will do. You're adding sugar to this. Right. So you don't want an overly sweet apple already. So I always use the green apples. Yeah. A good combination of sweet and tart will work really yeah. well for you. Peel and slice the apples. Toss them with cinnamon and sugar. I don't use a ton of sugar in the filling. You don't need it. The recipe that inspired this used about two cups of sugar. I use a half a cup, and that's all you need. In this family, I'd probably use more like a cup and a half. Really? Here. Okay. Yeah. I mean, both the green apples, and I might half it, three quarters of a cup of sugar, three quarters cup of brown, brown sugar. sugar. Yeah, you have a more molassesy taste with the yeah, brown sugar. Yeah, because I tend to do that with my apple cobblers. I use the brown sugar instead. I don't even approach that amount of sugar. Mine tastes sweet enough. I'm sure. I mean, and there is sugar in the topping, too, because you're making a, yeah. a cobbler topping. With the kids here, they like stuff. They like, must like that super sweet. Yeah. So I put the lower end of the sugar scale for me mm -hmm. and the higher end you for You can go anyone. anywhere from half a cup to two uh, yeah. cups. Mm -hmm. How you like the taste. Right. You can also add small amounts of other spices. It's generally just the cinnamon and the sugar, but I like a little ginger Not in my made. apple dishes. Nutmeg, cloves, any of the above. Yeah. I just went with the cinnamon and ginger. Again, it's fully customizable. Mm. You pop it in the oven, your house smells amazing, and you've got your cobbler. And there you go. And if you're looking for an easy, still fall Thanksgiving dessert, the cobbler works well. The cobbler's also a good one to take with you somewhere as That's a true. hostess to bring to a dinner party or Thanksgiving. Right. If you need to cook for gluten and dairy-free relatives, there you go. We've we've done the work for you. Yeah, Recipe's the right there. Flour is very easy to get now. The Bob's Red Mill's everywhere. You, yeah. you want the one-to-one. -one. It's a very good recipe. It's even a good weeknight dessert because oh, yeah. my family will say to me, what's for dessert? Yeah. Multiple nights. So this one's easy to whip it up while you're making dinner. You know what would be amazing in here? A little crystallized ginger in the topping. Yeah, it would be really good. I love crystallized yeah, ginger. Yeah, that would be really good too. Try it. You might like it. Yeah. You might love it. I love it. So should we move on to retail therapy? Retail therapy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So this week we decided instead of a review on a product, mm -hmm. we are going to do a book review. Yes. And it's a beautiful book. Yes. It's called On the Farm by Eliza Eliazarov. And this book I have purchased. Mm-hmm. And it's basically inspired by going to Mount Vernon. Right. For multiple times. We've talked about Mount Vernon a lot. It's one of our favorite places. Mm -hmm. Let's back up a tiny bit. So Eliza was the photographer who shot the absolutely gorgeous photos that were used in the USPS Heritage Breed stamps. Exactly. The Livestock Conservancy invited us to the stamp dedication. And we got to listen to Eliza's speech. She gave a great speech. As you said, it was at George Washington's Mount Vernon Estate. Yes. And she really strives to capture the essence of the animal. Her photography is just breathtaking. The way I describe this book, it's one to have for a coffee table. I am a huge fan of coffee table books. Right. I like a book that I can pick up if I have five minutes mm -hmm. to spare and look and read into some of it and put it back down and not have to do my right. place the next time. It's on the farm. So it's all kinds of farm animals. And there is information about each animal, but it's introductory information. It's not super in-depth. Right. So it's not like you're losing your place in a chapter. Right. So you can pick and choose where you read. Yeah. There's different chapters on every farm animal. So if you're really into chickens and poultry, mm -hmm. there's a whole chapter on chickens and turkeys. Right. The photography through the roof. Amazing. It's amazing. And it's a book that talks about heritage animal breeds. And that's what we talk about all the time. And she includes, and I love this, more non-traditional animals as well, like my beloved llamas and alpacas. Right. Basically, it's the modern day farm. Yes. With heritage breeds. Right. So she features all the heritage breeds. And she includes also some of the animals that you don't always look at as farm animals, but they are like dogs. Right. We love looking through these books and talking about it as we go. Dogs, geese pigs, cows, all of them. 
the photography, I can't even put it into words. If you have not at least looked at this book, find it and look at it. It feels like you want to reach into the page and you could touch it. That's how it looks. The photography is so real. We had such a good day the day we went to George Washington's Mount Vernon for the Livestock Conservancy's stamp dedication. We heard her speak about traveling around to the different farms where she photographed the animals that are on the stamps. Yeah. The other thing is we were looking through one of the geese pictures and we were like, the feathers, they're not clean. That was one of the Sebastopol geese who yes. had the ruffly feathers. There's some dirt on the bottom of the feathers. She photographed the animals as they are. That doesn't mean they look like they're straight out of a mud wallow. No. But they're very realistic. realistic. Mm -hmm. And that's the part I love about it. It's so real. Mm -hmm. And she talks about in her introduction how going to a barn and setting up for her pictures, right. the people would be like scared off about that. But she felt so at home there mm -hmm. and that it just felt right to her and real. Right. That that's where she should be. And she catches their essence. She does. I think that sums it up quite nicely. The cover of the book is A Mama Sheep and Lamb, which just melts my heart. Yeah. The other thing I would say is if you have children who are of reading age, mm -hmm. I love these kind of books to have around. Oh, yeah. Because they will be bored and get curious. Right. And pick them up. Yeah. And start looking through them. They'll have a time span of their attention of five, ten minutes. Right. And they can learn something out of it also. So on my coffee table right now is this book on the farm. And can you guess the other book that's on my coffee table? No. Dining with the Washingtons. That's on my table right now as well. <laughs> so one day a few weeks ago, Ella was sick with a cold at home. That's my 11-year-old. Mm -hmm. And she's like, Mom, let's go through Dining with the Washingtons. She and I went through... And read it together. And it was a good experience yes. for both of us. So these types of books for children, it's not so far written that oh, no. children can't understand the, these. I mean, honestly, you can use a book like this as a picture book, really, speaking as an ex-librarian. Yeah. I mean, you really can. If you're interested in heritage breeds, that alone, she has a picture of Jacob's sheep and it's taken from behind them. Yeah. So you see the amazing horn and the brown wool yeah. cape. I can't say enough good things about this book. Full of chicken. chicken. So sheep. it's worth it. Horses. Uh, I think yeah. actually I bought this book on Amazon and mm -hmm. we'll have this on our storefront. A link to our storefront in our show notes. I think I only paid $14.99 for That's this book. pretty good. Mm -hmm. Which is an amazing mm -hmm. price. Yeah. It's well worth sitting there on the table and looking through it. And like we can't say enough about the photography, learning about the heritage breeds introductory things that right. you want to know. The chickens, ducks, and geese in there are beyond adorable. The buckeye's in there. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty, it's a really nice portrait of the buckeye. Yeah. So check it out. It's called On the Farm by Eliza Elizaroff. Okay. So what should we tell everybody we're talking about next week? Next week is fantastic because next week is our Thanksgiving episode. Yay! So, <laughs> I guess we're happy about this. I like Thanksgiving. Yeah, me too. Our breed spotlight and main topic are folded together. We're doing pilgrim chickens. Pilgrim chickens. Yeah. They, have, they have their own theme. <laughs> <laughs> our recipe is Chrissy stuffing. This is the Thanksgiving of Chrissy. And our retail therapy, vintage chicken gravy boats. Hey, we're staying with the season. That's mm -hmm. for sure. It's going to be great. So what should we tell everybody to do? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening. <laughs>